Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. And so uh, today, as we get into our Torah study, um, It's a double portion, two portions. It's like a spiritual search, two mints in one. And and so may God bring somehow, some way into your life double blessing. A double portion of wisdom, a double portion of favor. Who has an issue, a challenge, an obstacle that's blocking your blessing right now? Do I see any hands? I see that hand, that hand. That. My hand is up. I need some more breakthrough. I need some more miracle working power. Well, thank God uh, He is a miracle worker and nothing is impossible to those that believe. Do we have any believers in the house? Amen. And today is the day to believe for a double portion and a double miracle. So we're beginning our Torah study this morning uh, in Leviticus 12. This is not a spiritual root canal. Why are we studying Leviticus? Because God has wisdom in Leviticus, and we want some. I want some of that. And uh, here in Leviticus 12, we find the Lord giving Israel one of the most mysterious and powerful of all of the 613 commandments, the commandment uh, for all the men to circumcise themselves. Leviticus 12.3 says, And in the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. So today we're going to delve into the deeper truths of why God gave this commandment of circumcision, what it means to you and I as believers today. And as we just said, uh, we appreciate the Lord for giving us the full gospel from Genesis to Revelation. And in the full gospel, even in Leviticus... There's wisdom, there's divine principles, there's revelation, there's insight that will lead us into experiencing God's best. Who wants the best that God has to offer? Me too. Well, that comes by learning some more. We can all get to heaven by being John 3.16 Christians. And there's a lot going on in the world today where that's about as far as Christianity takes anybody. John 3.16. And if that's all you got, that's enough to get you into heaven through the pearly gates and you'll forever experience amazing grace. But what if the Lord tarries? What, What if we're here for another 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Wouldn't it be nice to have more and more of a reservoir of wisdom and knowledge and understanding so that we won't be going through the same issues and challenges that we were going through a year or five years ago? If we're still going through the same stuff five years later, something's missing. Are we in agreement? 
And God has a word for every circumstance. God has thousands of promises beyond John 3.16 that we need to learn how to appropriate. And that's uh, part of our aim at New Beginnings. Let's teach God's people how to win. How to walk by faith. How to live as overcomers. How to know that greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. That's a journey. I wish it all happened with like, slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, it happened. No, it don't happen that way. It happens because we study to show ourselves approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. And God's word is truth. So today, when we study circumcision, uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about what God is saying out of all of that and how it will bring us more insight, more wisdom, more blessing. And even in the Old Testament, commandments like circumcision, and circumcision, let me uh, say, has been updated and upgraded through the Messiah. You know, we don't want people to get worried. Okay, ushers, lock the door. Uh, uh, The women may leave. (laughs) And then lock the door. Men, we're having a circumcision, a do-it-yourself style circumcision, right after Torah study for those that have never been circumcised. (laughs) One of the blessings of the coming of the Messiah And one of the blessings of Gentiles being grafted into Israel is that things have been modified. And one of the big things is circumcision. (laughs) Remember, we've always talked about, you know, aren't you glad you don't have to walk up the ramp of a brazen altar with an innocent lamb with a priest and the priest hands you the knife and you slay the lamb and uh, you do that uh, as often as you sin, you do that. (laughs) That's why we have a better covenant. Because we don't have to do that anymore. And so it is with circumcision. And we'll get into some of this. Uh, uh, and we laugh about uh, the circumcision like, whew, I'm glad that ain't for real right now. Uh, but when you're talking about circumcision, you're talking about true commitment. Okay? You're talking about, especially like if you're an eight-year-old boy, I mean an eight-day-old boy being circumcised on the eighth day is the commandment. You know, he's he's not going to remember, feel, and understand a lot of that. There's a big difference between being eight and being 38. So you're talking about true commitment. Nothing fake about that. I mean, you can fake an altar call. (laughs) You ain't faking circumcision. It reminds me of the joke about the pig and the chicken who were walking down the road one day and they passed by a church and they noticed that there was a potluck charity breakfast underway. And they got caught up into the spirit And the pig suggested to the chicken that they each make a contribution. Great idea, the chicken cried. Let's offer them ham and eggs. (laughs) 
Not so fast, said the pig. For you, that's just a contribution. For me, that's a total commitment. And so when God gave the commandment of circumcision, he's talking about total commitment. Amen? When Jesus became the Lord of your life, you asked the Lord to come into your heart, you entered into a covenant commitment with the Lord that meant, I'm totally committed here. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ who liveth in me, as the book of Galatians says. Now obviously, there, there is an emotional, intellectual, spiritual side of that commitment. To love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. But the born again experience, the commitment to Christ, goes beyond saying, I love you Lord with all my heart. It includes loving the Bible. It includes loving the Bible and being committed to all the divine principles, all the guidelines, all the standards, all the moral and ethical laws that the Lord represents. When we're talking about the Lord, we're also talking about what does He represent? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. And dwell. So when we say, I love you, Lord, in effect we're saying, I love you, Word. I love the Word. Amen? And so, the, the way that you get to that point is you have to have a circumcised heart. Well, really what we're talking about in a spiritual sense is that your heart has been circumcised. Something has been cut away out of your heart, your soul, your way of thinking, your attitude, your appetites, the way you want to proceed with your life, some of the sinful things, the negative things. God begins to circumcise and cut those things out of your life. And a lot of times Christians struggle with that because, hey, I like that. God, change the way I, change what I like. Holy Spirit, come into my heart and do some surgery on me so I start liking what you like. I start thinking what you think. I start living the way you outlined it, not the way I learned in school. Amen. Are we good? Circumcision. Why did God give circumcision? Well, uh... The commandment comes up here in Leviticus, but according to the book of Genesis, God commanded the father of our faith, Father Abraham, who had many sons, for all you children's church teachers, uh, he commanded Abraham and all of his full-grown adult men disciples to be circumcised. And it symbolizes the covenant that God is instituting between Himself and the Jewish people. And Abraham is the father of our faith. God started it all with Abraham. In Hebrew, it's called Brit Milah. 
And it's a sacred act. And it's considered among the most important and central commandments in all of Judaism. And it plays a central role, and it has played a central role in the formation and the historic development of Jewish civilization. If, if the Jews had lost circumcision, the Jews would have lost a big part of what constituted their covenant between them and the Lord. That began with Abraham. Moses restates this hundreds of years later, but it began with Abraham. And this Brit Milah, which literally means covenant of circumcision, uh, uh, not only did it begin with Abraham as a grown man, he actually circumcised himself to show his level of commitment to the Lord. And so from the beginning, God placed a standard on the Jewish people that if you're going to walk with me, I need full commitment. We can't just be lukewarm Jewish people. You are going to be fully committed to the things of God. Now obviously uh, that didn't happen in every family and in every generation. Some did, some didn't. Same with Christianity. You're, you today are a fully committed, Bible-believing, tongue-talking, Bible-carrying, pew-jumping, praising-worshiping believer in the Most High God. And if that resembles you, say amen. amen. But not everybody believes that way. But in the beginning... The idea of circumcision and having a covenant relationship with the Lord was built on, I totally surrender my life, I totally surrender my will, whatever you say goes, not thy, my will, but thine be done. And he chose, God chose a, uh, a very mysterious, difficult, and challenging commandment of circumcision. But Abraham and the boys, they went ahead and said, you know what, we're, we're all in. We're all in. And one of the, the reasons they were all in is because with the covenant, with that decision, came a host of blessing. Amen? Amen. Genesis 17 you can turn over there to verse 10 if you have your Bible. God said to Abraham, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Well, why are the Jews doing all that stupid stuff? Because God said so. <laughs> we might not understand it but we're going to do it and hopefully down the line we'll understand the fullness of what all this means and it goes on from there you know look i'm i'm a normal guy i can see i can see what uh probably abraham going to the lord when he uh this is dropped on him like a, a god i'm new at this i've just come out of haran I've just recently taken on the idea that there is but one true God, monotheism. 
Uh, and I'm not exactly sure I'm down with all this circumcision stuff. Can you explain it? I'm a full-grown man, and just thinking about it, uh, it makes me hurt. Is there some other way? If there be any other way, Lord. Jesus said that. I'm sure Abraham said something to that uh, effect. And then he turns to all the hundreds of men that uh, are following him and working for him. And he said, okay guys, God just spoke to me. What we're about to do is enter into an eternal covenant with Almighty God and it's going to touch the world now and for the next 4,000 years until God redoes some things with the second coming. But here's what has to happen. We're all going to be circumcised. Dudes, is Abraham all right? (laughs) Are you sure, Abraham? And he was sure. And they all did get circumcised. And it led to Abraham becoming the father of many nations. Because it wasn't until after Abraham was circumcised that the Torah says the Lord appeared to him. So not only did he hear in his heart the voice of the Lord, there was a physical manifestation of the presence of God in Abraham's life in Genesis 18. That's what the three angels are all about, and so on and so forth. So why the eighth day? Why did God choose the number eight? Why on the eighth day? Well, the number seven has always represented God's perfect number, right? That, that uh, number seven means th- things are complete. Things are perfect. Seven days of creation. Seven days of the week. Seven feasts of the Lord. Seven times marching around Jericho. And we could go on and on with all the sevens. But the number eight stands for, we all know in one sense, a new beginning. And it symbolizes something beyond the natural. It takes us from the natural into the supernatural. And God is saying through circumcision on the eighth day, I want to do something in your life that will take you beyond living a natural life. I want to take you into a life where you experience supernatural blessing, supernatural favor, supernatural victory, supernatural wisdom, supernatural in every area of life. And in order to attain that, it begins by separating something from our flesh. Separating ourselves from the flesh. It's a sign that we're dedicated to the Lord and willing to elevate ourselves over the natural. And boy, today, that would be a good message, especially when we see what's going on uh, in uh, our society today when it comes to natural, physical, sexual drive. All of a sudden, a Pandora's box of philosophies and concepts, and this is okay, and that's okay, and there's 72 genders now. It started with two in the Bible, but man, improve what God did, and now there's 72 genders. 
And God is saying, let's get back, Christian, back to what the origins of our faith is and what constitutes a covenant commitment. And even though we're not being asked to be circumcised physically, spiritually there is a circumcision of the heart that says, God, I am willing to let you come in with your Holy Ghost scalpel and take away those unnatural, those carnal appetites that are leading me astray, leading me away from the Word of God. And it's not to make your life miserable. (laughs) How many of you know the wages of sin is death? Doing it against the way God does leads to negative, damaging, harmful, destructive things. Doing it God's way leads you to life and blessing. How many of you want more happiness, joy, peace, life, blessing, health, healing, prosperity, abundance, increase, favor? Can I go on? Can I get an amen from the congregation? Circumcision becomes a sign that what we're reproducing is holy. We're reproducing godliness. Holiness, biblical morality in our children and grandchildren. In, uh, in the book of Genesis 18, God said, Abraham, I chose you because I knew you would teach and train your kids the right way. Yep. And through Abraham's circumcision, we've inherited a spiritual DNA. It's based on living by faith and having a trust in Almighty God. Having a faith and a trust in the Word of God that's beyond anything else. Nothing's going to supersede our love for the Lord and our commitment to the Lord and to His Word. The late great Rabbi Sachs, I love Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, He wrote an essay called The Eighth Day. And one of the little excerpts from it says, Circumcision symbolizes the idea that there is something higher than nature. There's something higher than government. There's a higher power above the power of government. Right now the government doesn't want us to think that way. So... We're heading to a point in the pre-Antichrist era where every believer is going to have to decide, am I going to bow my knee to uh, Nebuchadnezzar? Or am I going to bow my knee to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings? And just like physical circumcision for an adult would be a very tough thing, It's a very tough thing for grown-up people to have to grapple with things like that because I might get canceled. I might lose my job. If I stand up for the Lord, if I stay silent about my biblical values, my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, I might get censored or fired. They might spray paint my house. And so there is some serious business that takes place. So, are we still all in? Or, uh, I think I'm going Hindu. 
changing my loyalty. No, I'm all in. If you're all in, shout amen. So, there's something higher than nature. Passing on our genes to the next generation, (coughs) Rabbi says, should not simply be a blind instinct. Okay, this is where having uh, uh, sexual relations outside of marriage is a, uh, a problem in the Bible. Because you're submitting yourselves, as he says, to blind instinct and, and a Darwinian drive. You're just survival of the species. <coughs> so the Abraham covenant was based on sexual fidelity. The sanctity of marriage and the consecration of the love that brings new life into the world. We're reproducing godly kids. There's my uh, two-year-old grandson. I'm not going to let the world teach him what it means to be a citizen unless they, they line up with the Word of God. Otherwise, he's going to reproduce in his life some things that are going to cause a whole lot of crying. It's the rejection of the ethic of the alpha male, Rabbi says. We're just not blind animals running around uh, with no purpose, with no creator, with no knowledge uh, that there is a higher power. And... Fast forward to our society today. I don't think I've even heard the word abstinence lately on a news report. Anybody ever heard anybody talk about abstinence anymore? Uh, Ten years ago, there was this battle between abstinence and teaching sex education as if it feels good, do it. And we were, Christians were vilified and mocked and ridiculed for thinking that uh, saving yourself for marriage is the right way to handle things. In ten years, look at how far we've come. In the last couple years, now uh, people that hate the Bible and hate God and could care less about our biblical values are going so far as to encourage preschoolers. Preschoolers. My grandson is a preschooler. Oh boy. I, I, I don't. Uh, we have him in a, a preschool now where they have, you know, no, we, we don't teach that kind of stuff transgender stuff and other stuff we're not going to teach there's all kinds of ways to experiment but they're uh, they're brainwashing preschoolers to believe to to believe their gender is undecided at birth huh since since when were you a science denier I thought throughout all the pandemic, we are science denier, science denier, science denier. What about biology? I don't need just the Bible to tell me uh, male and female, God created them. My biology book. So are we going to change all? Yeah, and they are changing all the biology books. These alternative lifestyles go against the Bible lifestyle. 
and they're leading a generation of children, children, children. If you're a full-grown adult, okay, if that's your thing, you know, that's on you. But don't be teaching a minor and then not tell the parents. The parents don't have a right to know. They're going to miss the blessing of God. And then when you submit yourself to secular humanistic people, I mean, all bets are off as to how bad it can get. So this is uh, one of the biggest challenges in all of human history, living a biblical lifestyle. That includes abiding by God's moral and ethical laws. And circumcision is a reminder to guard ourselves against impure sexuality, against carnal impulses, so that we're not reproducing the wrong stuff. Why is America where we're at today? Because 10, 20 years ago, people weren't thinking this way in the church we weren't talking about this stuff in the church and and we gave the upper hand and even the moral high ground to antichrist people who de- who decided we'll make the rules if you want to be silent we'll make the rules and they did make the rules how you like me now <laughs> So the physical act of circumcision points to a spiritual act of removing sinful tendencies, evil inclinations, negative character traits, and so on. The great late Rabbi Rashi from the Middle Ages, he wrote the Hebrew word for uncircumcised means obstructed. Obstructed. What an insight into the life of an unbeliever. Or for those that go to church and pretend to have the power of God, but really deny the power of God and the Word of God. They're obstructed and have no uh, covenant with God. And their attitude, their behavior, their conduct is obstructed. They can't get right with God, and so immorality flourishes. And uh, all these negative traits get passed along. Isn't it interesting that before Israel could cross the Jordan with Joshua as their leader, that God said, before you come into the promised land, all the men have to be circumcised. And it points to what's going on in our church today, the, the larger church at, uh, at large. Believers will never enter into the fullness of the promises of God without having spiritual heart surgery. And that includes there's got to come a time when you sincerely realize, man, that ain't, that ain't right. That's wrong. And you repent and say, you know what, Lord, I may have been doing it this way my whole life, but right now come into my heart and transform my life. Give me a new beginning. Make me a new creation and help me walk a new path and have a new vision and new focus and new purpose in my life. Yeah. That's why believers struggle today, in my opinion. 
You know, I became a full-time pastor in 1988. And I've seen a lot. And I see why people struggle. Even in my own life, I've gone through struggle. And the struggle was because and is because there's aspects of our life that have never been surrendered to the Lord. We've never separated ourselves from everything. Well, well you know, you're not, you're not mainlining heroin. You're not robbing banks, right? Yeah, but uh, are we involved with the other key theme in today's study, Lashon Hara, the evil speech, the gossip? Just as an example. All those things, God works through our whole life to work these things out. He's perfecting us. Amen? And that's a good thing. Don't you want to be the best version of yourself? Come on, Holy Spirit. So New New Testament believers are not commanded to be physically circumcised. But we are commanded to be circumcised in our hearts. The born-again altar call experience should encompass that new convert should have an understanding at the altar that they're going through a circumcision. You're gonna, this is the first step of a thousand steps of the rest of your life that is leading you away from sinfulness and into the blessing and the, uh, all the goodness of God. Yeah. We're new creations in Christ. What does that mean? It means our thoughts are different. Our decisions are different. Our attitudes are different. Our loyalties change. Our behaviors change. The old man is past. Behold, all things become new. So, the sinner's prayer, and many prayers after that, are an outward sign of an inward work. We, we pray, we hope. The, the inner work is the circumcision of the heart. And the circumcision of the heart isn't just a New Testament idea. Leviticus 26.41, for instance. You can go over there, Leviticus 26.41. And that I also have walked contrary to them and have brought them into the land of their enemies if their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they accept their guilt. What's that talking about? He's saying that when you come into the land and you face your enemies, if you will humble yourself and let me circumcise your heart, if you'll repent and change from your sinful ways, I'm going to make things good for you even in the land of your enemies. That principle still works today. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Moses writes, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Live. How many of you like the idea of abundant life? (laughs) 
How many of you all, how many of you want to live the rest of your life broke, busted, and disgusted? No, God wants us to have abundant life, even in the, the Torah. That doesn't sound like legalism to me. 1 Samuel 16, 7, The Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, here's, here's the question. Should a Christian be circumcised? Should a Christian be circumcised? Absolutely yes. The early church understood this. They understood circumcision wasn't done away with through Christ. Only that it would be administered in a different way. Okay? In Acts 15, Pastor James handled one of the first major challenges that came with the Gentile revival. Whether Gentiles had to be circumcised. And it was decided that physical circumcision for Gentile believers would no longer be necessary. And all the men said, Hallelujah! (laughs) But, they were required to have a circumcision of the heart. And in Acts 15, it describes that circumcision of the heart. And it says that, look, uh, we got to get a few things straight, Gentiles. Even though there's no longer, you're going to have to follow the Jewish laws of conversion that include circumcision. You're also going to have to stop bowing down to idols. You're also going to have to stop sexual immorality. You're also going to have to follow some dietary laws, kosher laws. Read it for yourself. We just were running out of time. Acts 15. Very important chapter. So it was decided that for Gentiles to be saved, they were not obligated to follow all of the normal, traditional Jewish laws of circumcision. And conversion, really conversion, that included circumcision. But during this deal in Acts 15, known as the Jerusalem Council, one group got up and said, Hey, wait a minute, Pastor James, we had to go through circumcision. Everybody needs to go through. If I had to have it, they got to have it. And so there was this big debate. And everybody weighed in. And finally, Pastor James, the half-brother of Jesus, concluded, look, I appreciate everybody's input. This is how it's going to be handled. New Gentile converts don't have to go through all the formal Jewish ceremonial laws in order to be saved, in order to convert. And, of course, the key component of that was circumcision. Jewish uh, people, you still be circumcised. Gentiles, you, you, you have a new covenant that uh, you, you, got, you got amazing grace on that one, y'all. So, this is, uh, th- this is what blows my mind. 
because we've all heard, well, we're not under the law. Anybody, everybody heard that statement in one way? We're not under the law. The, the laws of God don't apply to me. Here is the origin of the Christian phrase, we're not under the law, in Acts 15. The strict Jewish requirements for Gentiles to be accepted into the family of God was waived. And thus Gentiles were no longer under the laws of conversion. That's how it all started. So the phrase under the law in the right context is under the laws of conversion that included circumcision. The problem is that over time, Gentiles began to outnumber Jews. And and so they expanded what this we're not under the law means. And it, it eventually came to mean you need to unhitch yourself and distance yourself from anything Jewish. Because you're not under the law. So, I find that fascinating. That we're not under the laws, we should be, we're not under the laws of circumcision and conversion the way it was established in the Jewish nation. Gentiles get a little bit different deal going. So yes, Christians should be circumcised, but as the early church understood it, circumcision administered in a different way. Circumcision of the heart. And this is what Colossians 2.11 talks about. In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Spiritual circumcision. And when we see an altar call, that's what we need to be praying is happening at that moment. That yes, they're pledging their allegiance to Jesus, but also that God is circumcising their heart right at that time. And some of the key sinful habits that people have gotten into that have gotten them into such a deep pit they don't know how they're going to get out of, God through circumcision of the heart can come in and separate that person from that sin at that altar call moment and all the appetites, all the desires, all the inclinations that led people to sin are all of a sudden cut away at that moment and those desires and appetites are removed how many of you experience that when God circumcises our heart he removes the old fleshly nature he removes the sinful desires if that gets left unchecked, that's what damages. Even in the church, people can have, and that's what damages destiny. <clears throat> A life that stops reproducing sinful works begins to reproduce spiritual life and blessing. 
All of a sudden, the fruits of the Spirit begin to emerge. The loveliness, the joyfulness, the peacefulness, the faithfulness begins to emerge. God's divine nature begins to shine. And all of a sudden, people see a transformation and a change. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen it in your own life. And people see Jesus in you. Before they used to see the drug addict. Before they used to see the drunk. Before they used to see the... The, the riotous, crazy, insane, all-American sinner, but now they see Jesus. Paul said to the Galatians in Galatians 6.15, circumcision doesn't mean a thing to me. The only thing that really matters is living by the transforming power of this wonderful new creation life. He said to the Galatians at another time, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith that's working through love. That's the bigger story here. The physical act, okay. But it's the spiritual side of things that God wants to get through to us today. 1 Corinthians 7.19 Being circumcised means nothing. And being uncircumcised means nothing. What What it does mean is you keeping God's commandments. So, in these, and there's other things we could get into if time permitted, but... Now what God is saying, okay, Gentile believers, that's us, have a circumcised heart. When you come to church and you're doing praise and worship, you're offering up prayers, you're sowing your offering, let each trip to church be another step in the process of God perfecting you and changing you and transforming your life. And if the Holy Spirit speaks to you during the praise, during the preaching, and all of a sudden you just hear that little whisper, that still small voice, that nudging, that prompting, you know what, Scott? It'd be a good idea if you took care of such and such. Huh? I rebuke you, devil. That's probably the Holy Spirit trying to do a little more surgery to get out all that damaging stuff, all that scar tissue, so that you can have a a wonderful life. And it's going to affect your thoughts, your emotions, your loyalties, your attitudes, your decisions. And at the end of it all, the good news is, is you reflect the nature of the Lord. You become more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Say amen with me. Well, we're going to leave it there for today. If you agree Christians should have a circumcised heart, give the Lord a big hand.